Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. So, yesterday we talked on how we can assess or how we can accurately judge whether a scripture being taught or you, uh, you reading the scripture by yourself, how you can judge whether that scripture is accurately interpreted or not. And we summarize our... Yeah? Am I really listening to someone? Okay. I have to abide by the subject of scripture. And what is the subject of scripture? Good. So we said the Bible is not a general subject book. And I don't know whether we have a general subject textbook, even in life. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Are we together? Yes. So what did you say the second point? Yeah? Okay, contextual usage, that is immediate usage. We're talking about in that uh, situation where a verse is quoted, we, we, we want to understand what is the message, what is the context in which it is used, and not just be lifted. So if there is a contradiction between uh, what, because no scripture or no verse has life on its own. You don't just lift it up and just give it anything you want. But then we want to understand that it has to be within the context. Are we together? Yes. So, and we saw many examples yesterday how we are, some have used, misused certain scriptures. Yes. And that also has brought about a lot of practices so remember that if you interpret the scripture wrongly, it will lead to a wrong practice. And of course, that you cannot say is worship. Are we together? Because it's not in accordance with the intent of the author. What is the third one? Yeah? Okay, a thought that has already been established either by the author or in scriptures generally. You understand? We will not find another place contradicting that. Just like some people will say they have gone to hell and they have seen some people are in hell because they wear trousers. You understand? But that is not true because that does, it contradicts the, the truth of scriptures already established. And we know a man finds himself or a woman finds herself in hell simply because of one reason, by rejecting Christ. Are we together? Amen? Yes, and no any other reason. So these are some of the things we have highlighted. So this morning, what I will do is that is just to treat something very important that particularly attitudes, maybe if you can write, maybe if you have, want to give it a title, attitude to finding truth in scriptures. Attitude, the attitude of finding truth in scriptures. Acts chapter 17 Acts chapter 17 from verse 1. Well, let me read from verse 10. Acts 17 from verse 10. And then, or then, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, 
they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so, verse 12, therefore many of them believed. And immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Verse 15, so those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speeds, they departed. Amen? Now, I want us to note something here before we move. First and foremost, the Bereans were Jews also. Are we together? Please note that. That means they are not ignorant of scriptures. I want you to just note that for the moment. You understand? The Bereans, I think there was one time Pastor Lou or Stichy made mention that they are not Christian. You understand? So we have to know that they are not Christian. They are Jews also. Are we together? They are Jews. So that means they are not ignorant of scriptures. So I want to read it in NIV because there are some words I want to use there. In NIV, verse 10, well, let me just read verse 11, particularly in NIV. Now, the Berean Jews, okay, NIV is a bit, <laughs> the Berean Jews were more noble, what? They are more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day for, I mean, to see if what Paul said was true. What Paul said was true. So I'll be coming to that. There are three things I wanted to bring because I saw that NIV just put it in a way that I like it. That uh, not really like I like it, just to make it memorable. That's the reason why I came here. Because I saw something like E, E, E. Eagerness, examine, and every day. These are, we, we, exam we look at distance. That's why I, I, I just move with that. You understand? Those three things. Eagerness, examine, and every day. They are powerful word there. Okay, so... One thing that is important is for us to see that first and foremost, they said they received the message of the scriptures with great eagerness. With great eagerness. And then we saw that not just only that they received it with great eagerness, they examined, that is, they searched it. And not that just for one day. They searched it how many days? Every day or daily. To be able to arrive something. What is that thing? To know whether what Paul thought was the truth. That's what they did. That's the reason why they did that. Though. To arrive at something. 
So look at what they did to arrive at that. And remember I told you they are not ignorant of scripture because they are Jews. Are we together? So even though now Paul came to say something, you understand, to preach the word, already we have heard about the scriptures, of course, what Paul read, you used, was Genesis to what? To Malachi. So, but they now, this is the same text they have been reading. But the commitment, the eagerness they went again to search the same thing they have searched before. Are we together? You know, God will really have to help us with the issue of familiarity with scriptures. You understand? This is one of the reasons why so many truths has evaded us because we are not, we are not, we, we just feel we are familiar with that passage. You understand? And it's a very dangerous trap. It's a very, very dangerous trap. So first, let's look at eagerness. Eagerness. Now, eagerness talks about readiness. It talks about willingness. It talks about enthusiasm. You understand? You are going with it with enthusiasm. There is something you are hunting. You understand? There is no some kind of uh, lack of motivation. You are going with it with all motivation. You understand? Something is driving you. A man's eagerness to do something actually can be interfered when that person don't have an open mind, an open mind. Now, you say, that word they said, for they are fear-minded. That means they were open, although they have read that text, certainly. But they are open-minded. They are open-minded. When they heard the word from Paul, they are open-minded to be corrected. Hmm? Yes. They are open-minded to say, ah, there is, a, there is a dimension Paul is moving that has spoken Kai. is as if it's not the way they have uh, groomers. <laughs> you understand? So because of their open-mindedness, it was quite easy for them to be in readiness. Are we together? Amen. Amen. So, as I said, that open-mindedness helped them in their approach, in their attitude towards scriptures. Now, one of the ways that we can say someone is not open-minded is that that person is holding on a bias. That person is holding on a bias, whether sincerely or whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The person is holding on a, on a bias. And so if we must gain the truth of scriptures, we must have zero bias when it comes to approaching scriptures. Even if you have read it over and over and over again, each time you are coming to scripture, it should mean as if you have not read it before. Are we together? Hallelujah. 
Now, I want us to see, because they are Jews, there is a way they picture them, or there is a way they have been taught scriptures before. When Paul came with an interpretation, teaching them about the Christ, are we together? From scriptures, they saw and they went out. And I want you to know something. When they went to search the scriptures, they didn't go for promotion. Are we together? They were going to search to find Christ. That's, what, that's, that's their goal. Are we together? So genuinely, the Bereans went to look for the Christ, which Paul taught. Are we together? And I want you to see in verse 12. Because they went to search the scripture for the very reason. That's why yesterday I talked about the issue of the subject of scriptures. Now, for the very reason the scripture was given was to reveal Christ. And then they went to look for him. Look at verse 12. They found him. Are we together? NIV said, as a result. As a result of what? What they did. You see? Many do what? Believed. You know, in the first on Monday, Pastor Fred took us time on the Ethiopian eunuch. I want you to note also that when the Ethiopian eunuch was reading that scripture, he was not actually reading it because he wanted to improve his job prospects. He was not reading it because he wanted to get married. You know those days, you know, <laughs> maybe he wants breakthrough. Or oh, he wants some favors. No. He was searching for him. Although he didn't understand. Look at the question he asked. He said, who was this about? <laughs> he was looking for who? Who was this about? Are we together? So, again, those interested in him will always find him. We saw some people who were not interested in him in John chapter 6. They got miracles and ate bread and fish, but they didn't understand the scriptures. Why? After Jesus started explaining the scriptures, they became offended and departed. Even his disciples followed him for positions and never understood the scriptures. Even after three years of teaching, it was in the 40 days before Christ ascended that their eyes were open to know the meaning of scriptures. So once you are coming to the world with a fleshy and selfish ambition, your interpretation of scripture will be erroneous. Your interpretation of scripture will be erroneous. So what is your motive before we move? Why are you here? Pastor um, Olu took time to show us the plan of God. Were you disappointed? Check your motive. I guess some of us, when we are coming for catechism, probably were thinking, hey, you will make it. I see you moving. I see you moving. I don't know where he is. <laughs> So, but what is your motive? What is your attitude 
Each time they ask, let's go for Bible study. You see, this is where we're talking about the eagerness. The attitude to finding truth. Eagerness. How do you normally feel? What is your mood? You understand? When they say it is money, I remember if they said you want to go and do interview or something like that, the way people prepared all madness. You understand? Some of them, like some of us who are in Nigeria, maybe the, the interviews in Lagos, they catch the bus, the, the night bus, even with the rigs, arm robbers, accident, the roads are not good, but he's not mindful of that, you know. But let's say, let's go to outreach. He will be saying, sir, that place is too bushy. Now we begin to give a lot of excuse, a lot of obstacle. When they said, I'm not against worship, I'm not against concert and all that. But each time they say scripture, that's where you find few people there. That is something, that means something is wrong with our motive of coming to God. What motivates you? So if you are, how comes you are, you are surprised that you are easily deceived? How comes you are easily surprised that you didn't understand that scripture or that scripture? When there's no eagerness, genuine eagerness actually even to know the word. No readiness. I'm talking about attitude that will help you to finding truth in scriptures. Now look at it. The same apostle who taught the Jews in Thessalonica. Eh? And they cause trouble. They stir up mob. Eh? Even when they heard that it's in Berea and something is happening, they still went there to cause problem. It's the same apostle who taught the Bereans. The same message, the same person, but different impact. Different impact. Now, as the Jews tried to remember, because those other ones were holding on to it tightly to a bias. What is a bias? The tradition of their fathers. Huh? They are holding on to the tradition of others. Give me time, old time religion. Give me old time religion. And the old time religion they are talking about is not the scripture. They are talking about the old time religion of some, of some what they call fathers of of faith. You understand? Not minding the authority of scriptures. This man held tightly to their tradition and it became an obstacle to understanding or learning the truth. Today, our obstacle could come in from our families. I know we've talked to some people. They say, Sir, my father never had problem with it. You can see how foolish you are. That's why you cannot learn the truth. That's the truth. It's not about your father. It's not about where you're coming from. These are the, these are the bias we have held. You understand? Some of it are coming from our families. Some of it are coming from our, our tribe. In our area, we don't do it like that. Who cares about your area? You understand? And we see it, especially when it comes to marriages and all that kind of a thing. When God is helping you to understand how you should live as a believer, your village is still following you. And that's why sometimes it can be also from our denominations. We are coming. All of us are product of our backgrounds. You understand? 
to be able to learn the truth, we are coming from different denominations. You have to be eager to learn the truth. Some of us, when we were in Sunday school, they told us the reason why God didn't receive the sacrifice of Cain was because he brought a, a, a slim, a shrinked one. <laughs> well, that was what we, and we agree with it like that. And we are taught when you are coming to give God, give God the fattest one. That is our concept of giving, the fattest one. But nobody actually check the issue of the life. Are we together? Amen. Because if God have not accepted you, how can he accept what you are bringing? It is our acceptance that makes our sacrifice and makes our worship accepted. Are we together? Hallelujah. So, I want us to point something here. So we have all kinds of bias. And many of us have not been eager to study the word of God because we have held this bias so closely. So closely. And that's why we, it's very difficult for us to be able to find the truths of scriptures. Amen. And the problem is not about because, as I said, we are enthusiastic concerning other things. Are we together? Because some people, when you ask them, why are you not coming to us? They say, sir, ah, I am busy. I am busy. I am busy. Most of us who are leaders have heard that story over and over. You understand? Know, I am busy. I am busy. <laughs> and that same person, I've been reading, waiting, planning, and... Uh, even though the person is around 16, but he's busy looking about wedding planning. Listening to this news here and there, he would switch from BBC to CNN to Fox, combine them all, listen to newspaper, look at the fashion parade. What did you call him man ago yesterday? Runway. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> They have five social media handles. They chat daily, post in each of them, respond to messages that are on there. They answer everyone that commented. <laughs> Very diligent, enthusiastic, readiness to do it. <laughs> Some of them watch all kinds of movies, probably up to two or three movies in a week. That probably are two hours long. On top of that, they went to they will go to friends. They don't have any problem with that. And we don't also have any problem with that. <laughs> they will go to friends, spend time there. They will go to Big Chef, sat, they will sit down there. <laughs> they will eat. They would chat there for hours. In fact, they don't look at their time. They would spend hours discussing sport, how Liverpool win, how that one score. They would turn back to politics, Jagaban. They would, all kinds of things. Yet, they complain they don't have time. These are the people that complain that don't have what? They don't have time. 
you know, there's no problem. I, re I read a lot of books. Of course, there's no scripture that says you shouldn't read books outside the Bible. Never. But these people, very enthusiastic. They can read all kinds of books. You understand? All kinds. But just to read, just to read one or two books, Kai, just to read just, just two verses. Okay. We are, reading a, we are reading Bible in this church. Who and who are up to date? Who and who are up to date? Now, you can see, that means majority of us are not up to date. Now, if I ask Nandi, you will say catatismos. How? Didn't you eat food? Did you see that? How many minutes does it take you to read those things? Some of them are two chapters. Some of them are three chapters. That's a list. That's a list. Yeah. <laughs> and even you are doing it among the whole church, so there is a motivation. Are we together? Now, we have to adjust our readiness when it comes to the word of God. And I've seen many people, they will tell me, sir, this is a book I'm reading this, this month. Ask him whether which book of the Bible is reading this month. And then you are, you are, you are, you are surprised the knowledge of the scripture that you have. Why would you be surprised? You understand? Why? Why would you be surprised? As I said, even if you are eager, you understand? For some of us, who, those who are eager even to come to church, we are very committed to church. As I said earlier, what is your motivation? Because what we are trying to talk about the readiness is for the search of the truth, not for your selfish interest. Are we together? That is the attitude of a Bible study student or a Bible student. When your, when your study of scripture is motivated by selfishness, you will fall into error. Very, very easy. Now, man of God, when we're in Aqua Ibom, 2012, that's how many years? Over at, wow, time is flying, though. Now, when we're in Aqua Ibom, I met with a brother in camp, in NYC camp. Some of us that are not from Nigeria, we have something we call the National Youth Service in a side, it's a one-year service. Every graduate, anyway, below 30, although some people have changed their age to go, but ideally it's supposed to be below 30. If you graduated from the university below 30, whether within Nigeria or outside Nigeria, you have to do it. It's, a manda it's mandatory. You just serve the nation. They will post you to some other places, you understand, and go and serve. And mind you, for some of us who doesn't want to go back home, as long as you have graduated before 30, you must do it, though. Because if they return to Nigeria, even if you are 90, you must do it. Oh, you didn't know? Know it now. You understand? Go and study. You know, there is one of our ministers, Kemi. That's one of the problems that she also had. That she had to be removed from her ministerial position because she did not serve. So it's very important. Don't be afraid. You understand? Jesus said, the greatest among you must be the servant of all. The believer was supposed to be the one motivated to go to serve. That's it. Because it's an opportunity for him to serve. But because what we have been holding is Babylon. 
That is the reason why we are afraid to go. We don't want to serve. That's the problem. Now, I met with this brother, and then this brother was, you know, he was so active serving in a, because we normally, the whole camp for three weeks to train you, military guys will come. Ah, that time was not easy. Oh. They wake you by five. You understand? Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. They will scatter the whole place. You must go out. In the cold, you see everybody shaking. You understand? Just to give you some training so that your, some of you that have pot belly will just reduce a bit before they post you to where you're supposed to serve. <laughs> so, this brother will go to fellowship. The Nigerian Coppers, Christian Coppers Fellowship. He will be serving energetically. I didn't know what was, what was his intention. But he was energetic. You know, son, very, very wonderful brother. So, you know, we normally have uh, this uh, state conference also. Yes. So when we returned for state conference, I, I, I saw that brother. I was going to the bathroom. You know, we have a large bathroom where male will go, female will go their own. So I met with him. He, he, his face was, was completely downcasted. I mean, he was looking terrible. I said, brother, what's the problem? I can't, I can't help it as to ask him what is the problem. That was when he began to say that God failed him. I said, uh-uh. God failed you? I said, how? <laughs> he said that he, 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 he had a covenant with God. That when, when he served him well during the camp, that God will post him to a better place. And I asked him, what is your definition of better place? You understand? But then they posted him to a village. <laughs> so, he told me, no, most of the coppers ran away from there. I said, then why? Why are you not staying there? He said, no, that's not the place. How can he serve God? Then he end up in that place. Now, now I get talking with him. But this is the problem we are talking about. Even if now you are coming to church, you are, ah, yeah, yeah, you are singing. What is your motive? Check it. For some of us, lockdown within our heart, that enthusiasm, that readiness is motivated by we want to be married to a very, to a, we, you know, ladies have a way of carving the word. Well, that's not what they mean. They'll say God-fearing man. It's not God-fearing. By counseling, I knew. <laughs> because they are, they are the one who have defined the God-fearing. No scripture. So, brothers, what, what is your, how, where do you derive that readiness, the motivation? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. Now, remember I said, once you have a corrupted motive, there's no how you handle the scriptures correctly. Verse 17 he said, for we are not, go back to New King James, please. For we are not as so many peddling what? The word of God. But as of what? Sincerity. But as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Second Corinthians 4, again, just move up. Verse 1, 
Therefore, since we have this ministry, I don't want to go back because when you when you go to when you were in chapter three, you will see what Paul was talking about because he was describing that that the ministry they are into is the ministry of the Spirit, not of letters. Are we together? Yes. So since we have this ministry, now yesterday we are told the ministry God is calling us into the plan of God. Since we have this ministry, he said we have received what? As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness. Now I want you to underline that word. No handling the word of God with deceitfulness. But by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, conscience in the sight of God. Second Corinthians, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 2, from verse 15. We have been looking at this scripture. Verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who not needs to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, what does rightly dividing the word of truth means? Rightly suggests sincerity. Are we together? Just, just if you just look at the word rightly, suggests sincerity. Now, according to strong concordance, the Greek word translated in English version for rightly dividing is ototomio. That is O-R-T. H-O-T-O-M-E-O, ototomio, which means to make a straight cut, that is to dissect correctly, to dissect, to make a straight cut, to dissect correctly. So Paul was admonishing Timothy to treat truthfully, sincerely, the word of God without falsifying it. Rightly dividing the word of truth without falsifying it. The exact opposite is to corrupt, adulterate the word of God. And as I said, all this, your motive for coming to the word of God can interfere with your finding of the truth. The second one we saw is examine. Or examination. Go back to that. Um, Act chapter 17. Verse 11. It said now the Berean Jews. Were of more noble. Character than those. In Thessalonica. For they received. The message with great eagerness. And examined it. That is they search it. King James used the word. They search. It's talking about analytical. You know, for some of us who have been in the science and especially academia and research companies, we know how we do research. There's one of my research colleagues. We have been doing one research since last year, uh, last year, August. Up to now, we have not found the result. <laughs> Are we together? 
There was a time we went into the lab consecutively from morning till evening, even including Saturday. Here in Ace, we are looking for something. We don't find, first we, we, we began to have problem with the methods, not even the work itself. So we had to go and solve the problem of the methods. We will read, 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 go online, check. We do research, we will come back again and adjust the parameters. Then we will try it to see what will be the outcome. We will go back again and go back again. Now, that's how, that's the criticality of what they are saying here. That is a search, they examined it. You know, if you are not this kind of a person who is ready to examine, who is ready to search, you know, there are some of us, once we come to the Bible, we just read, you understand, and just get it. And there are some, again, when they come to us, so what's the meaning of this? What they are looking for, you just say, okay, this is what this means. This is what this means. When you tell them, go and pick Pastor Fred's message and study. That's why so many of you are angry with me because I gave you edification. Now, is a lack of attitude, is lack of this, this thing. If you are, and I want to commend some of you, they were not part of the edification. They came, they said, sir, we want to be part of it. This is a sign of someone who wants to know the truth. For some, thought it is as if you are punishing them. Even if they are punishing you with the scripture, then you should be smiling now. After all, how can they punish you with the Bible? They are asking you to go and study. You understand? Many were angry just because we say go and review three messages. Three hours messages and you are angry. No. There is no how you will not be a candidate of deception. No, with this type of attitude. There's no how. Just three hours to listen. No? Not to talk of you are, you are examining a truth. Have you lived, have you sat in one verse you didn't understand? You read the contest, you didn't get it. You read the book, you didn't get it. You now go to start reading the entire book, the, the entire section of the New Testament. You didn't get it. You say, okay, I'll go through the Bible. That is the attitude of someone who wants to learn. You understand? Not just that you just read small. You want to find it now. And then suddenly, if, if somebody just tells you, sir, this is what it means. The next time I see you, you are posting it online. I see if it is your own. I didn't mention Nemo. <laughs> Hallelujah. So to, to find, you have to, you have to adopt this attitude to find truth in scriptures. Don't be quick to conclude when searching scriptures. Don't be quick. If you are lazy mentally, you will be prone to error. Mental laziness is more terrible and disastrous. Truth is established by credible, collaborative evidence in scripture. That's how truth is established. Not just you read one scripture, then you just run with it. No. You want to collaborate truth. If Paul have said it, what about Peter? Most of them, they say the same thing. They quoted from, because they read from the same textbook. In doctrinal matters, we must not judge truths based on a single scriptures, but 
all the scriptures. Yesterday we saw how we have been taught and even starting from Monday. Jesus started teaching beginning at Moses and all the prophets. We saw Philip beginning from that scripture. Are we together? The Ethiopian didn't ask him and he just said, okay, this is what it means. Uh -uh. He began from that scripture and now moved into other scripture to explain to him. You must not build your understanding of scriptures from visions, from dreams. You know, sir? There are some of us, since we are not born again, we have been dreaming. Now we are born again, we are dreaming, and then we are thinking it's accurate. How? And you say, it's the Holy Spirit that gave me. Brother, who was giving you when you were not born again? No. That's not how truth is established. It's not just established by, you know, these days, especially in Pentecostal setting, you understand? They say, my papa said, my papa said, you will not hear them say it is written. Their own is, my papa said. The essence of you being taught is to go back and study. Are we together? Are we together? The essence is for you to go back and study. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor there is no area of concentration in scripture. Say there is no area of concentration in scripture. All scriptures are inspired of God. And you must read it all. <laughs> Amen. Now I want us to just see this. Maybe we'll just, I'll just give it. I don't, I will not read it. You see, Jesus have asked these people that come to him, the scribe, you know, most of the times they come to him with all kinds of questions. You know the kind of question? They will pick one line. You understand? They will pick one line of scripture, just leave it and just come. Master, what is this? Are we together? And you know the kind of question you always ask them? Have you not read? Now remember, this kind, these people that he was, that they are coming to him, they are Pharisees, they are scribes. They are teachers of the law. Are we together? They are what? So that means when Jesus said, have you not read? He doesn't mean just like you are just reading like newspaper. Are we together? That's not the reading he's talking about. Please read that for me. Okay. When the man was going to this. No, that's not what it means. That's not what that means. Because if he's to say that, to Pharisees, then there is something deeper we need to look into. Hallelujah. Matthew 12, verse 3 to 5. I want you to see some of the questions they gave to him. At that time, Jesus went through the green field on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the heads of the grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And when he was hungry, he 
and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, and for those who were with him, but only for the priest? Or have you not read in the law that the Sabbath, that on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? In Matthew 19, yesterday, I won't read that place because man of God read it. They were coming also to ask him <laughs> concerning divorce. And he asked them, have you not read that in the beginning it was not so? In Matthew 21, the same thing. Matthew 21, verse 15 and 16. And we move to verse 33. The same thing also. When you go to Matthew 22 also, verse 30 and 32, this one, they came asking him about the resurrection. <laughs> and he asked them that question again. Have you not read? Have you not read? Now, notice how Jesus, when he started answering them, he would connect scriptures. Are we together? He would give them this, he would give them that, he would give them this. We saw how when he is teaching his disciples, he connects scriptures also. The problem is that when you are reading and studying and analyzing, you don't cherry pick scriptures. You study them to understand. You go through it. When you find something that is this, you read it again. You didn't understand it, you go back and read it again. You are focusing on finding details. You are analytical. You are searching. Are we together? You, are, you want to find something. You search it completely. You look around. You, you observe everything there. You know, these days, you know, there was a day, I think on Facebook, I think it was my wife that uh, posted something. She just posted the picture of exploits. You understand? And they, she just say something like, my baby, I love you. And you know what happened? Everybody, or let me say, a lot of people began to make messages. Happy birthday, my baby. Happy birthday, my baby. <laughs> you already know how people don't read. You understand? That's the problem. And sometimes we do that. We find out that some people will just post scripture. Just because you don't see John chapter, whatever, whatever, then you just wrote a statement, you just like, bam. Did you, write, did you read it? And we have approved all kinds of terrible things. That's a sign that something is wrong with how we approach even scriptures. There are basic questions in which they have asked us, and already we have talked about some. For example, when you pick a text, you want to ask, who wrote it first? If you are reading, for example, to who was the message to? You understand? Are we together? 
You know, sometimes you are, you are reading, but you don't know who wrote it. You don't know what, who are the recipients. Are we together? Because understanding, like we have seen yesterday, understanding the recipient, you understand, will make you to understand even what is happening. It is quite easier in the epistles because most times the way Apostle Paul used to say his own, you understand. So you can easily know. But they are to help us, as we have seen, to learn because the epistles is closer to us. We can see how they interpreted scripture and now learn it when we are reading. We have to understand the message. We have to understand when, where. We have seen all that. Why? Just like yesterday. Why was he, was he addressing a problem? Was he canceling? You understand? There are, there are for example, in the, in the epistles, there are epistles for the church. There are epistles to an individual like Timothy. You understand? So there are all kinds of epistles. Are we together? The question is that, you have to understand first the intention of the author. We saw the book of Luke and Acts was written to Theophilus. And we saw why he had to do that. Are we together? All these are important in your analysis. In, your, in examining the text. So you must examine to find the meaning of words. If they are confusing. The phrases. That's why I want to encourage you. You have gathered all kinds of nonsense in your, in your phone, at least. If you don't have a laptop, no problem. You have a phone. You're supposed to have at least Bible dictionary and concordance. You understand? There's, you sh how can you not have, in this generation that God has even helped us, not have a Bible dictionary and a concordance actually always with you? Because you want to understand how the words are used. Because... Bible words are not universal. Bible words are not what? They are not universal. Bible words are not universal. Now, for example, let me just give you an example. Here in John chapter 3, verse 16, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and then 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. There's a word that it repeats itself, world. The spelling is the same. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. Which world did God love? Which one is saying that we should not love? So the use of Bible words, phrases, are not universal. They are not universal. Their meaning are found in the context, just like we have seen. So the Bible is a written document. And of course, it's written in human language. 
And because it's written in human language, you have to understand. You know, some of us, I know we're science students, we don't like literature. You understand? Some of us have studied literature in school, in high school, and then it was good for us. But some of us already were science students, we are engineering students, we are da da da. We don't like anything reading. Let me tell you, you're going to suffer. This is not a prophecy. This is a reality. If you disdain reading and studying, there must be zero, there must, there, there, you must understand the grammar, just like we have talked about, but then, which is important as you study, no assumption. No assumption. You know, we are studying Bible, even in Bible study, you know, at the time we are studying Bible, then you say, you say, you say, I think, in my own opinion, no, sorry, sir. We are not looking for your opinion. We are looking for the opinion of the author. So don't be saying, in my own opinion. No, there is no opinion. We don't, we are not, that's not why we are studying Bible. We are studying Bible to find the opinion of the author. So there, shall be, there should be zero tolerance for assumption or opinion. You understand? No opinion should be imported. You understand? And you keep quiet. We are scriptures. Keep quiet. Don't try to prove that you have revelation. While it is no revelation, but revelation. <laughs> Amen. If you don't understand the text, be sincere. All of us are students of the Bible. There are many things I have not understood. And I am studying to understand. So don't be ashamed. Be a student of the Bible. You understand? If you adopt this kind of attitude, you will not going to be misled. You understand? So you must be committed to what? You must be committed to maintaining an attitude of a studious attitude. Many years ago, some people including me, don't like to study. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Amen? So the Bible, in interpreting to find the truth, you must do what we call exegesis. 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 Do you hear what I say? Exegesis. What is exegesis? What is it? What is exegesis? It is simply the process of carefully analyzing a passage of scripture to produce an accurate interpretation. A process of carefully analyzing a passage of scripture to produce an accurate interpretation. So the goal of exegesis is to find out what the author of the biblical passage meant as opposed to what you think. So be intentional about this. And I want to say that there's a difference between exegesis and exegesis. Exegesis is E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. 
an exegesis is E I S E G E S I S. Exegesis and exegesis. There are two different things there. Now, it is, it is tempting that when we are studying scripture, we can slide to exegesis, not exegesis. Now, by just looking at the prefix ex and eis, it tells you there's a difference. Now, exegesis, as we have already defined, is you analyzing the scripture. It indicates trying to find out what the scripture is saying. But exegesis is putting in your own thought from outside. Are we together? Is putting in your thought from where? From outside. So, in exegesis, we dig into the text to find the meaning. Whereas, in exegesis, we read meaning into the text. You read to find out meaning is different from reading meaning into the text. There's another word again I want you to know, which is humanetics. Humanetics. These are words that I use mostly generally, but it's good just to know what they mean. Are we together? Humanetics. They have some similarity with exegesis. Only that humanetics focus on the principle of interpretation. That is the rules required to find the meaning from scriptures. On the other hand, exegesis is the application of that principle. The application of humanetics or application of that principle. Now, before I move out of this section of analyzing, I want us to analyze two scriptures before we move out of uh, this place. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Now, this scripture is one of the scripture if that has been misquoted or misinterpreted, rather. Some have used this scripture to extract lessons of commitment and faith, faith particularly, faith in God, even if he didn't deliver, heal, or help, even if he didn't deliver. Like the, the Hebrew brother said, no problem. Even, God, even if God failed us, he didn't deliver us. That's how we interpret this scripture. That they still will hold on and have faith. But is that what that scripture is saying? Now, I want us to read the background. Remember, King Nebuchadnezzar had given a decree that no one should worship any other god except the image he has made. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship. 
Daniel 14, go back a bit. Daniel 14, verse 15. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and symmetry, and symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fairy furnace. And who is that? Who is a God who will deliver you from my hand? Now look at it. The king was furious when they told him, ah, these people, they are very stubborn. He was furious about their disobedience and commanded and summoned them and threatened them. This is what will happen to you. Look at verse 16. Look at the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17. If that is so, or if that is the case, which case? That is his decision to throw them. Are we together? He said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fury furnace. And he will deliver us from, our, from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That's their reply. And I want us to note verse 18. Note, but if not, that's where the confusion comes in. If not. Now, if not what? That's a question you, ask, you have to ask. If not what? Now, if you read the verse 17 and 18 together, you get the message. Are, are we together? Now, if you note, it said, if that is the case, the case of what? That is, if you throw us, right? But if not, meaning that if you decide not to throw us into. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now, this is not talking about God at all. This is referring to the king. Are we together? So some people have read it to mean that if God doesn't deliver them, when the king casts them into the furnace, they will still not worship the image of the king. That's not correct. Because their response was to the king. That is, whether the king decided to throw them or he decided not to throw them, they have one resolution. What is their resolution? So this has nothing to do with God. Are we together? Are we together? Amen. So Shedra, Meshach, and Abego had complete confidence that God will surely deliver them from the king's furnace or harm and also had unyielding stand not to serve 
Nebuchadnezzar's image, whether or not he carries his threat. Are we together? Did you understand what I'm saying? So don't ever smuggle God into it. Are we together? Don't smuggle God into this matter. Okay, let's look at one also. John chapter 9. John chapter what? Chapter 9. Amen? Amen. Verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind. From where? From birth. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you get, you get the one we, we, we finished. You understand? You know, there is a way we attach God with, with evil things. Do you understand what I'm saying? As if God is... You know, faith cannot be faith when faith is not based on doubt. You understand? It's not based on, on God's... I mean, doubt on God's ability. They have already said... We are not ready to answer you. You understand? Our God is able. That's where the faith is. So, but when you now say, it also means that if God didn't do it, that means they are now doubting his ability. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, faith is in the ability of God, not doubting in his ability. So, that's why we say that scripture is the arrangement to the king. He said, whether you decide to throw us or not, we have one decision. We are not going to serve what you said we should serve. Are we together? So, John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Verse 2. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. Are we together? Now, this is another problem here. People have insinuated that this man was born blind so that God will show his power. You know, this is the same concept that people said about when they are talking about the doctrine of sovereignty of God. You understand? That said, God created certain people for destruction. It's the same kind of reading of scriptures. You understand? And then, you know, even you listen to yourself. How can you contradict yourself? You understand? The same God you call love, and the same God you say he created certain people to destroy them. No, how about now? You are contradicting yourself now. See, the scriptures are consistent. You know, yesterday we said something. That there are thoughts of scriptures that you must, you ha there has been established. You understand? Each time you read scripture and you interpret and it contradicts the thoughts that has been established about the character of God, know that your interpretation is wrong. You have to go back and sit down and read it. If you don't understand, read the context. If you understand the context, read the entire book. He didn't uh, understand the entire book. Read the entire where the section it is inside. The one they call uh, Old Testament or New Testament. Read it. If you didn't still understand, read the whole book, the Bible. If you didn't still understand, go back again and start reading the Bible until you understand it. 
If you have this commitment, you will say you have not found anything. Are we together? You know, don't be this kind of, uh, this thing that we know. You know these days, you understand? Because we have been carved, I mean, culture have told us, they are the one who gave us timeline. Oh. Culture have given us timeline. You understand? And we will say, uh, at the appointed time of God. When you hear believers say, at the appointed time of God. No, it's not God. You understand? It's culture. That's why when you are approaching 30, you are passing 30 as a lady, you are already fidgeting. Because in your mind, the appointed time of God is... Uh, uh, did you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> or as a man. You understand? You have to understand that. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, what am I trying to say? Let's go back to it. Now, look at verse 2. The disciples asked Jesus, who sinned that the man was born blind? Jesus answered, no one sinned. Now, listen. That is where the answer stops. They just ask, who sinned? Is he his parent or he the man that the man was born blind? Jesus said, no one has sinned. What else do you want again? That's the answer to the question, right? Now, sometimes the way uh, scriptures were translated can connote something that is not there. And that's why you need to examine. You need to search and understand and read it. Are we together? And again, remember we said how you can judge accurate translation, I mean uh, interpretation. So that even if you interpret it, you're supposed to subject your interpretation to analysis. Are we together? Now, if you look at that place, Jesus said no one sinned. Now, what people are confused with is the further things he said. He now said, then he went further. What did he say? But that the works of God should be what? Revealing him. People see that as a reason for the blindness. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Since he said no one sin, but that, so that means that further statement he made was a reason for the blindness. <laughs> no, no. That's not it. Don't read it inside. No. You know, because we, we, we have a problem. Please, hold that thing I have said yesterday about established thought, truth already established in scriptures. Because it's really going to help you. Even before I come to understand scriptures, I'm still understanding, you understand? I mean, in those days when we are really don't know anything at all, you understand? It used to bother me. I said, ah, why is this scripture contradicting this one now? There must be a problem. The only thing I was just saying, there must be a problem somewhere. I don't know where the problem is, but I just say there is a problem somewhere. So, but look at it. While the disciples, listen, if you look at it critically, you see that the disciples' focus was on the why of the predicament of that person. Jesus adding that statement was just trying to tilt their attention away from the predicament to seeing God, to seeing what God is doing. Are we together? Jesus just refocused them. You understand? 
to the work of God. To the work of God. Are we together? Be concerned about what God is doing. Do you know that, that we can be distracted? Are, are we together? Of course, there are the parable of the of the of the weaf, right? The parable of the weaf. The tire, sorry. Yes, wheat. In some other translation, use the word wheat. You understand? Remember when the servant woke up in the morning and then he saw what he didn't actually planted. Say, "Ha, oh, master, what shall we do? Let me go and uproot it." He said, "No, no, 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 no. Don't do it." You understand? You see, we can be sometimes distracted by trying to uproot, fighting other people, fighting this doctrine here, fighting that doctrine here. That man is a devil. That this is a distinct. You know, you see them, uh, we have apostles of correction now on YouTube. You understand? They will cut video. You have cut video and say, then they now start. Brother, teach the world. Teach the world. Are we together? Tell your neighbor, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Just teach the word. Just teach the word. Yes. Man of God told us how to fight yesterday. Right? These two things, and I think, yes, we read one scripture in church. About also. The gospel itself. Eh? It's warfare. We've already talked about that one. It's with it, we dismantle thoughts huh? and imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Are we together? We also fight through enforcing. You know, we are law enforcement agents. We enforce the will of God on the earth. Are we together? You do it through prayer. So preach the word and pray. Don't be distracted with fighting. This one is this, this one is that. So the disciples were about to be distracted. Ah, Kai. In the sun. You know that sometimes I had to caution some people when I was back in Nigeria. I, I said, what is your problem? Everyone pass, you have to analyze the person. In the sun. You keep discussing problem of people. You say, that brother is this, that brother has this problem. What is your own now? Focus on something worthwhile in life. And so Jesus was redirecting them to focus on the work that God is doing. You understand? On the work that God is doing. So here I can see Jesus referring to healing as God's work. You understand? He said that the, that the work of God, you see that? Is referring to healing that man as the work of God. Not the blindness. You know, some in the in the in the interpretation, they're trying to give it that the blindness eh, is because of the work of God. But now, no, it's not the blindness, it's the healing that is the work of God. Are, are we together? How God anointed eh? Jesus Christ with what? With Holy Ghost and what? And power. And he went about what? Went about doing what? And healing all. Are we together? 
that is the work. That is the good work. That's the work of God. So it is not the sickness or the blindness that is the work of God or caused by the work of God. No, it is a healing that Jesus was pointing them to as the work of God. So God cannot create a man blind just simply to show his power. What's the meaning of that? Jesus, the wisdom and the power of God. So Jesus is not enough to show them. <laughs> you have to use sicknesses so that you can show your power. No, 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 no. So don't try to insert and smuggle God into some misfortunes. Please don't. James told us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Amen? Hallelujah. Now the last one is Every day. Every day. We're looking at the attitude to finding truth in scriptures. Every day. Now, every day will connote diligence. Every day will connote diligence. Let's go back to that scripture again. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In that they received the word of God with all readiness... And search the scriptures daily. They search the scriptures daily. Why? To find out whether these things we are so. What Paul said. To find daily. I've asked some of us in church. He comes out, I, this and this. I say, I asked them. When last did you pray? When last did you study the word? When last did you maintain consistent fellowship with brethren? When last did you go for evangelism? Of course, I don't need to say when last did you serve. Because since you are not consistent in fellowship, you cannot serve. You see that? How then are you surprised with what is happening around you? This is what we teach in foundation school. What you should keep doing. You don't outgrow them. You keep doing. Praying. The word. Studying of the word. Daily. Huh? Fellowship. Consistent. Eh? Serving one another. Consistent. Evangelism. Consistent. You don't outgrow this. <laughs> what you keep doing. You don't outgrow that. It's your responsibility. Daily, the Bereans search the scriptures. Did you see? He didn't say they, they search the scripture. They search the scriptures. That means the, the scriptures going from this to that to that to that, which we have already talked about when we were looking at examining or analyzing. They did it daily. What a diligent people. Colossians chapter 4 verse 16. Now when this epistle is read among you. See that it is 
read also in the church of Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistles from Laodicea. Now, I want you to note that we have already clarified that when the apostle sent them this epistle, he was not expecting them just to be reading these letters. These are just... This is just some, some things he just sent to them to just brush them out. But the Ritler's book is already with them. Are we together? So he was not expecting them to replace the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, that they have in position with them. You understand? And then start to read his own. No. And we saw, oh, thank you, sir. We saw yesterday that why these scriptures are written, I mean, these epistles, is because the man of God was absent. And some of it, a lot of it was to answer questions because he's not there to answer. Are we together? Yes, so he will send it. He said, okay, he said, in fact, where we read, he said, uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, the other things when I come, I will. Please give me that scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, the last verse, verse 34. Verse 34, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-four. 34. That means he was just answering them. He said, but if any man is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the what? And the rest, I will do what? I will set it in order when I come. So that means this episode is likely that there will be no need if man of God was there present. Did you understand what I'm saying? So you too also, you cannot just be staying here. And every day just be, no, 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 no. Be diligent. Be diligent. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 to 4. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 to 4. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation... He made known to me the mysteries as I have briefly written already. By which, look at that place. When you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mysteries of Christ. Remember in chapter 1, he had prayed for them that they will have or they will know Jesus more and more. Are we together? Eh? He pray with them that their heart will be flooded with light. Are we together? They, he prayed for them. But you see, by the time he comes here, he says, read. You know, some of us, even in school, we just believe that when we, when we sit there, just shakakakaka, that the Lord will, will remember, will, will give us remembrance when we enter the examination hall. If you're in this church, you have to change your attitude. You know, we have a policy in this church. You understand? Because if you are not faithful, in, if you are not just committed and, in an unfaithful mammon, how comes, what will you do with the true riches? Are we together? Even in your, your studies, you are still struggling. You understand? You are struggling. How can you be a child of God and then you are in one point something? Something is terribly wrong with you. And we're going to do assessment in the church. 
Thank God he's under my office. <laughs> we will do assessment again. You understand? You have to. It doesn't make sense. What have I been doing? You have hands. You are strong. You are healthy. What are you doing with your head? So praying does not substitute studying of scripture. Did you hear what I said? Paul prayed for them and he said, read. Praying does not substitute studying of scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said, be diligent to present yourself Approve. We've saw that already. Meaning, be eager. Readiness. You don't want to be ashamed as a worker. You don't want to also just handle the word of truth deceitfully. So your approach to scriptures must not be lazy. A lazy and a casual reading of scriptures will not produce a result. If you are lazy or casual in reading of your scriptures, you'll be prone to interpretation error. You know what I just said? You read a verse you didn't understand. You read a text, the whole context. You didn't understand. You read the entire book. No, this is not for a lazy man. You didn't understand. You read the entire section. You didn't understand. Go through the Bible. You understand? That is not an attitude. Laziness is not an attitude. And this has not to do, you know, don't be hiding with singing. Don't be hiding with a media team and all those kind of things. We will keep insisting. You understand? Because we're not going to have, remember, one of us said yesterday that the goal is to train you to become a teacher. That's all. You understand? Forget about all those things. Uh, it's, it's not about name. You don't need to carry pastor. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? You don't need to carry apostle or anything. The goal is that you are taught today, you should teach others tomorrow. That's why Paul is always, and including the writer of Hebrews, you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Uh, yes. He was concerned about how they are still babes, canal. In Hebrews chapter 5, they are concerned. He said, you ought to be teachers by now. And you still need someone to teach you. It's a concern. So you have to pay attention. That's why, you see, if you have learned this way and apply it in scripture and you are diligent, let me tell you, to be, it will be very difficult for somebody to deceive you. You know why? Because anything the man of God said, including us, you, you know, I told some sisters some few weeks ago, I said, how we are teaching you is with the expectation as the apostles who came before us. He said, if someone brings you another gospel, whether it's an angel, even if it is us, do you understand what I'm saying? The way we are teaching is that even if Pastor Victor, God forbid, will backslide tomorrow, you understand what I'm saying? And then come to start teaching you, Halako I see, your number is 0080, 000, 000. Uh, I am in the realm of the spirit. I can enter your fridge now. And I can see in your fridge, there is Banku here. <laughs> and I saw by the Lord 
that someone, her name starts with G. This $2,000 for me after, yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and you see, man, God said, the Lord told me that the wife with me now is not my wife. <laughs> eh? Okay. <laughs> see, let me tell you the truth. That is how we are teaching you that even us, when we come back with another gospel, don't accept us. But we want to train you to learn how to read scriptures. So a Christian is a believer. It's a professor and a doer of the written word. Nowadays, many people have developed this laziness attitude as a result of technology, which actually can be used positively. And it has helped us and makes our life very easy and very effective. But I want to raise some concern here. You have to be careful. For an average believer, when you call a book of the Bible, he doesn't even know where it is. When you say Malachi, Zephaniah, some will even say, is that a book of the Bible? The reason is because technology also has robbed us from that. Let me tell you one thing. If you are using electronic Bible always, you'll be a poor Bible study. You'll be a poor student of scriptures. Because you know why? As you just punch, you understand, it just takes you directly to that. It doesn't make you have interaction with your scriptures. You know, when, when you are open hard copy Bible, when they say Genesis, before you move to Genesis, you are moving with, you know, you are using your brain to move to, not as computer, you just start pam, 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 pam. They just, phew. <laughs> that can be an aid. Because of course, you cannot be carrying all your big Bible everywhere you are going. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe you are in school, in class, and you can just bring out your phone, and that's useful. But let it not replace the hard copy Bible. Let it not replace it. No, that's just touch screen here and there. So knowing Bible is just beyond just pam pam, you know. You know when you are when you are when you are being taught, you are writing. That's what we call active learning. Just sitting down and just do like this and just be listening cannot give you anything. If you know you're a teacher, you know the way we are trained, uh, God will help us. You know, the pastor sometimes, they are dragging break for me. But I know that definitely, God must help us. I'm telling you, because with this kind of attitude, we find that they will tell you one thing, you still be repeating it. Or they will ask you, bring your notebook. You don't just care. No, I will send you out. We'll gradually come there. But it doesn't show anyhow that you are truly seeing what you want to become. Because the desire of God is to become a teacher tomorrow. And so you cannot be careless with the revelation God is bringing to you. What will you pass on? Your visions. And some of us, even with our books, we are not, we are not meticulous with it. Wallahi, I tell you. Let me do like God of God. If today you tell me that among all that I have gathered in Cyprus, choose what you will pick. I will pick my notebooks and my laptop. That's all. Any other thing, 
they are irrelevant. Irrelevant. You see my notebooks? Oh, yeah, no. Anywhere I go, they go with me. Hallelujah. So I implore you to plan your reading of scriptures. This truth, you're supposed to immediately after the catatismus to start an intensive study on your own. Going over them again, one after the other. Some of the scriptures you have not read them. Each one you must follow. In fact, you will read it in context. You understand? You will go. You are not rushing. You don't. Knowing God is not a bar. No. You understand? If I were you, this is to open my note. If I have a laptop, in fact, I will put it. I will be typing it and I'm reading. I'm, I am because I want to save it in a place where it will not get lost. Most of us have emails and our emails are wasting. They gave us 15 gig space. It's wasting. I asked one of brother, where are you? He said, it's in my phone. I said, when it's lost, how do you get the thing that is in the cloud? I said, okay. But then I said to him, there are certain things you cannot be able to just use phone. Let it aid you. There are certain things phone can do, laptop can do. There are certain things a laptop can do, the phone cannot do. So why will you substitute everything and just be using phone and just be moving? You'll be limited. All those things are supposed to come together to aid you. Not that one should substitute the other. Be careful with technology. Just like some days they used to tell us, be careful with Panadol because it can paralyze your faith. <laughs> it is very important technology, but be careful. Pay attention to reading of the scripture. If you play with the studying and the searching and the examining of scriptures, you'll be a candidate of deception, easily deceived. Let me tell you one thing. There is high rate of deception now. You understand? You see, man, okay, say you have to be supernatural. I tell you. You have to. Even in choosing who to marry, you have to be supernatural. Some of them are carrying fake things. Oh. You understand? They are carrying fake things. What they are seeing is fake. In whatever, there are many things you have to discern. And that's why you have to be serious with your life. Very, very serious. Yesterday, I talked about the period of church history. Let me, let me read something that uh, Robert Lederson, how he described that dark ages. You know, in church history, I talked about it, where there was no access to the word of God. And people just rely on priests. Look at what he said in God's general, the Roaring Reformers, in page 118 to 119. He said, the dark ages were what they were because there was no light of the truth from the gospel penetrating the heart of people. It was illegal for a common man to own a Bible. The only Bible available was in Latin for the exclusive use of the priests, many of whom had never read them. Spiritual darkness always ends up in making entire territories, nations, and in this case, continent dark in every walk of life. So the idea of excusing this generation that they have a short 
attention span. And therefore, we should consider it and should give, shouldn't give them long reading because they won't read it. It's a tactic by the devil to destroy the church. You see, this issue of attention, what they call it, short span or whatever they call it, it is a product of the use of technology and social media. And not because it's in the DNA of the people. You know, there's a way we speak about it as if, and that's how this generation are. You understand? And you know the danger of it? Even now, the church, everything I've started, you know, this is one of the things I don't like about a lot of churches. It's as if we used to want to be following people. We're seeker friendly. We don't have a pattern. The world shows us a pattern and we keep following. You understand? They started to produce all these uh, comedy skits, all these short, short, this thing. Then also that's how everybody joined. We started to have some, this thing, we see churches today also, you understand, cutting services into, I don't have a problem with whether you have five services, but how long are they? 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You come and sing for five minutes. Hmm? You pray for five minutes. Then the minister of God come to talk for 20 minutes. Brother, how can you learn what in 20 minutes, for goodness sake? You, are just, you just want a motivation, that's all. What can you say in 20 minutes or 25 minutes? Then we just pray, hallelujah, hallelujah, and then wait for the next group to enter. How about now? And this is where we say, Kai, I enjoy. When we were younger, that's what we used to say. Oh. Because in my church, although they don't do that, we only have uh, uh, like one hour, no, two hours or thereabout uh, service. But you know, in most of our orthodox churches, the time is always consumed because it's not like Pentecostal church that have only the choir. In our other churches, we have the women fellowship, we have the choir, we have the sisters. Sometimes the sisters have their fellowship also. You understand? So you have even sometimes in some churches the men's fellowship. And when you come to church, everybody have a special number. And the special number first, they will start with a short uh, song, like when. You know, they would dance, dance, dance first. Then they grang, 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 push. <laughs> then they will now start the song proper. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> they will now start the song proper. By the time they go around for the special number, almost 45 minutes has gone. Then the next one will come is the issue of announcement. They will spend long time announcing this, this wedding, this, uh, this, da, 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 da. Ah! People are sitting down. After that one, then the time for offering comes. They have five offerings. You understand? First, they will do, they, they have all kinds of names. You know, in the Pentecostal, they have all these seats, seat offering, prophet offering, all those offerings. Our own, we don't have that type of uh, seat and offering, you understand? Our own is grouped into different parts. Say, we have five offerings, offering for uh, the, the pastor to whoever, offering for the, for the project of the church, offering for the this. By the time you finish, it's five. And you know what? Each of them, they will put it at the front. Everybody will come and put it, the, because the basket is at the front. You will dance, dance, dance. Uh, band will give us song. 
you will see people dancing and sweating. They were coming to give offering. I said, okay, now we, the next one, the next one. Then they will keep the teenager. They will dance, dance. Man of God, by the time they will finish all those things, eh? already remaining 20 minutes to complete the team. Then that's the pastor will now come back. Will now come in the sun. He has his message 20 minutes. And you know, each time the pastor has up to 30 minutes or thereabout, or this thing, if you start complaining, ah, Kai, this, this is too long now. You understand? It's too long. But if the pastor maybe is a ginjum guy, eh, and then he gave the message, maybe about 10, 20 minutes, and then he come and sat down and see people hailing him. Ha! This was so I like him. <laughs> this is the reason you will find people. There was a time they draw, they draw um, a baby during one of the conferences in my church. They draw a baby like that and put long beard, white beard, just to depict how a person stays in the church. He's still a baby. He has developed gray hairs, but then he has not grown. Now, that's the effect of that kind of a thing. Are we together? See, if it is comes to doctrine, you have to endure it. There are certain things you, you don't need to like it. And your body doesn't need to like it. After all, there are certain things you are doing in your life today, not because you like it. It's because it's important. Are we together? So it is important that we are committed to studying God's words. Committed to studying committed to study. There is no hope for a church that is not committed to the scriptures. We can learn lessons from what is happening in the western world. There is no hope, I tell you the truth. No hope for the church not committed to scriptures. We're going to pray for the few minutes we have in the sun and ask the Lord to help you that this will be a turnaround. That this catechismus will be a turnaround. You understand? It will be a turnaround. And as I've said, you see the kind of, I've described some of the places, the background in which we are coming from. You don't have an excuse because God is just. He always navigates you through pathways that will open you up, even, your, even if your church didn't actually, the mother church in which you are coming from didn't have that. Are we together? So you cannot keep blaming. There's no blaming. All this one, you've not heard me say, I blame anybody. Eh, my parent. Eh, my this. No, 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 no. You have grown up already. You understand? To handle responsibility. Take responsibility into your hand. Don't be complaining and be blaming someone else. That means you are irresponsible. But you want to take it and say, Lord, I'm responsible. I'm hearing this. I'm going to be committed. And it starts at least. Thank the Lord for what you have been doing coming here. But then there must be a commitment and say, Lord, I want to plan. Every day I will start with one hour. I will start with one hour. You understand? I will go through my... You don't need to start re, mean, going through scripture uh, without aim. You already have it. Because you have taught a lot. Go back to it and sit down. Every... Just sit down. You understand? And be committed. And read. And study. After you study and study, then you spend some time and pray in tongues. You understand? And pray in tongues. By the time you are consistent with this, even you, 
you will know there is a difference in your life. Nobody needs to tell you. Just stand on your feet. And I want to tell you, that's why we say attitudes. Please, brother, all these things we have discussed is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? They are disciplined to be cultivated. Yes, sir. Learn it. Discipline to be cultivated. Just pray this prayer and say, Lord, I want to develop this discipline. And I want you to help me. I want you to help me. I want to start it. It's a discipline. 